0: The Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Planted with Sarah Pion podcast. I'm Sarah Pion, your host. And today we have Carla Rodriguez, Director of Corporate Social Responsibility at Wana Brands. Um, If you don't know about Carla, she is doing some amazing stuff with social responsibility, with the projects that are going on to support communities. And it's really something that as an industry... We have a rich background in, and we need to revisit it and really support it, especially as when I was reading the other day, cannabis is the fifth largest crop in the United States. Carlo, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, sir. I'm really excited to to chat.
0: So, what was your first cannabis experience?
1: Well, can I can I tell you two? Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: So the first one doesn't actually involve consumption it just involves my cool status in middle school. Um, so actually, my mom's boyfriend when I was when I was a kid worked stage crew a lot at a lot of local concerts where we lived and he would often get free swag free shirts right that's that's something we're not strangers to in our industry um and and i would just wear what he what he gave me to school you know because i thought i looked really cool and um one time i actually wore a um a fish shirt to school i was i think i was 13 and um and another day there was like a blues traveler shirt where the cats like smoking the spliff on on the shirt and um and anywho by the end of the day the rumor and and, and i was like such a square like it was not true founded completely in 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 untruths here but by the end of the day there was a, a rumor that i was the one that had like the best uh the best source of uh, product to get, to get hooked up which you know i did not i did not uh you know refute necessarily because it was definitely middle school was not fun for me like like it was for a lot of kids so i am you know uh, i am grateful for those shirts uh, yeah, you helping. gotta get
0: your cred while you can <laughs> it
1: exactly it was like major street cred for me and then and then you know the actual like first time of consumption that i can remember i've always been a bit of a late bloomer i'm a dare kid right so we all got like the fear of god put in us when we were in elementary school about how drugs would just like destroy our lives and blah 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 and um so i was i was actually about 20 21 and um i won't name the family out of respect but i was um i was babysitting at the time i was a nanny and one of the parents that we just had a casual conversation and one of the parents i worked for realized i'd never tried uh cannabis before and so they actually gave me some cookies um to try and this was before you know before regulation was a thing (laughs) um and so um the first batch i brought home and note i said the first batch because there is a story there um (laughs) put them in the freezer i was i was like you know, 2021 at the time, I was still living with my mom. And, um, and one day I I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to, I'm going to go and, and, and take this out for a test drive. And and there were about five cookies in the bag. And I noticed that they were all gone out of the (gasps) freezer. So my mom had been inadvertently or inadvertently, uh, just munching down on some edibles over time. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and she never, the, the weird thing to me, I mean, she must've I mean it, it must have really helped her like get to sleep, right? Like she never knew that there was really anything up. So that that was like shock mind blowing to me. Um I think I actually asked her about a decade later about it and, and she was like I, I had no idea. But um but then so they gave me a second a second batch and I did just the classic, you know, ate one, nothing happened, ate another whole one. Oh. And, and I was, you know, lucky for me, it's a funny, it's a funny thing, but I was just straight up traveling through time. I was like convinced that I was like back in elementary school again and was going to have to go to school the next day and it was just like the, not a, not a great feeling to be like oh no I'm seven years old and now I have to go to school so anyways that was that was my first time and I I luckily have have learned a lot from from that time
0: <laughs> um, you know what I call that what? the after school special moment
1: I am, I I am, I am the ABC, you know, the after school special to a T, like, it was like even I was a babysitter, like, how did this happen? So yeah, so I, I absolutely after school special kid, that was me, and um, you know from there, you know, lucky enough to have some friends that guided me along the way. Although I will tell you, the the really cruel joke with uh, being at Warner Brand is, which is a as we all know, it's a phenomenal product you know that we make uh, at our company, but I actually was hired my first phone interview was um five days after I got back from the hospital from having a baby wow so, yes and and they obviously didn't know that um, at the time but so I have the um what like talk about crappy luck, right? you get hired by by an amazing company like Juanna brand
0: and then you're breastfeeding. <laughs> Uh, but five so, days after giving birth, like, you were in it to win it.
1: In it to win it. And But I, I also think it was kind of a unique opportunity to be, you want to talk about a time that you're most, you're most vulnerable and authentic self? It, it's after giving birth. And so it's probably the most honest job interview I've ever done in my life. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so So, yeah, but that's the cruel joke for me is that I – get hired onto this amazing company and, and, you know, the clock's ticking down for me. So eventually I'll be able to partake in one of products here soon enough. But, you know, <laughs> I'm like, come on, baby, you're good, right? Right. Good? No, <laughs> so, <laughs> we're getting, we're getting there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, oh man. Yeah, really. <laughs> but I imagine, you know, because it's been so long since you've been able to have any, any phytocannabinoids that when you do finally get to dig into a bag of gummies, it's going to be very good. <laughs> it's going to be
1: amazing, and I will point out too. You know, so my husband and I think it's important to talk about this too. Like a lot of people talk about postpartum with women, but we don't talk about the the dad, right? And my dad or my husband had a lot of uh, anxiety after our second kiddo was born. And um, using the, the CBD product that we have through Wanna Wellness have, have just helped him immensely, um, you know, with that struggle. And, and I just bring that up because I feel like we lose, we lose focus sometimes on, um, and on the focus of, of, you know, postpartum, not just for moms, but
0: for dads, too. Yeah. Um, so, so that's been fascinating to see play out. I think that's a really, a really good thing to bring up because we do forget about that. Even like, I think whenever, uh, you know, somebody is going through a major, a major life change medical thing and, and pregnancy giving birth is both. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're whoever's with you and your partner, your husband, wife, even if it's like a, a dear a dear friend, like if you're single, it's like whoever is your partner through that is going through it just as much as you are.
1: Absolutely. There, there needs to be more focus on like, you know, the, the caregiver, right? Yeah. In these times and these circumstances. And um, especially for us, you know, our our second kiddo was a pandemic baby. Oh, and yeah. so that the heightened stress that we had in our lives, just in terms of worrying about, about that on top of pregnancy was was just a lot so big it's a big uh
0: burden you know to to carry so um yeah yeah it's also nice that we're having more conversations about dads being able to stay home after birth as well I I think like <sighs> when we do yeah. support that it's it's another way for us to change the way that men are held to a certain standard as to how they're they need to show up and be when we're all human beings. We have these emotions. We should be able to be vulnerable and, and talk about it. And birth is just as big of a deal, you know, for dads as it is for moms.
1: Oh, it totally is. And especially because, you know, oftentimes, not, not every time, but oftentimes moms are, are the sole source of food, right. And become the main source of comfort. And there can be such a divide and, and, um, you know, this craving for bonding for fathers that, that gets so overlooked and pushed down by society. And, and, you know, the more that we can just like lean into their experience as well. And like I said, don't get me wrong. We need more support for moms too. Totally. But, you know, I, I, I gotta give a shout out to my husband and the amazing work he's done, you know, through this process too. And, and just all the dads out there. So,
0: yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was just reading and partners and partners and too, partners so. too. Yeah, I was just reading about you know moms and C sections, and it's 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 the only surgery where you're going through so many layers in the body, and the mom <laughs> is expected to be up and walking within hours. It's insane. So I've had
1: two C sections. And um, it, is, it is mind-blowing to me that physical therapy isn't just a, a requirement after birth. I had to go through several hoops to, to get to that point. I have uh, chronic lower back pain, um, another reason why I'm excited to get back to cannabis here um, in a little bit. But, you know, it, it, they, they're literally cutting through your abdomen. And, and the fact that, you know, we don't have that in place is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Um, and the expectations that are put on you literally and figuratively um, postpartum, and, and it's, it's, it's bananas.
0: So, yeah. Man. So what made you decide to make the shift into cannabis? You
1: know, it was a little cart before the horse for me, I think if that's the right phrase here. Um, my, my first intentions were, it wasn't first focused on cannabis. So I've been working in the film industry for about 15 years, and I wore a lot of hats in that industry. And where I found my heart was in the community um, partnership realm in the film industry. And two things came into play. Number one, I realized I, I'm from Colorado, and I realized I wanted to work for a local company. Um, my previous uh, um, uh, company was, was out of state. and And then the other part was I wanted to work in an industry where I knew there was potential and openness to have a profound impact on the community we live in and in the community in the workplace, and I got to tell you, when I when I saw the the work that WANA had been doing, I, I mean, all the pieces fell into place, and the intention by which WANA You know, leads itself by and holds itself to, um, I knew that it was the place for me. And it was actually during the interview process that I started to realize how much more intrinsically linked, I I was on a personal level to cannabis, Mm -hmm. um, through talking with our, our founder, our CEO, Nancy Whiteman, um, you know, she asked me one day, she asked me like, how do you feel personally impacted? And, you know, one, one part was, um, I had a grandma that went through cancer and cannabis really, she had lung cancer and, and she did pass away eventually, but cannabis really helped her with, um, with a lot of discomfort around nausea and, um, and just stimulating appetite. Right. Um, and, but it, but it took a bit to get her to, to even accept it as a treatment, um, just because of the stigma that's built around the plant. Um, and then the other part of it is, um, so on my my dad's side of the family, um, going going to prison is like a family tradition, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and this is all, you know, intrinsically like also linked to the the war on drugs. I, I see how my family on, you know, on that side was was very much targeted um, and in and out of mass incarceration, you know, from, from very early ages, honestly. Um, and one of my cousins who had been incarcerated on and off throughout his life um, actually passed away um, within, you know, 72 hours of being released from prison because he smoked a uh, synthetic product um, and he died. Wow. And you think about the fact that we, we sit here and say, well, cannabis, cannabis is illegal, should be wrong. But then there's these other <laughs> products available that, that can, you know, severely harm, if, if not, you know, on, on worst case scenario, kill you. And, and so everything's just so out of whack. And I just realized, you know, I wanna be a part of, number one, doing what I can to, you know, with the industry, give people a fair shot, you know, that have been negatively impacted by the war, impacted by the war on drugs and, and have a chance to have equitable access to succeed in the way that anyone else could. Right. But, the you know, and, and then also just just like, I, I don't know, just like getting rid of that stigma. Right. And and, right. and so so there's a lot to it. There's a lot more. And I think that I implore all of us, you know, to really think you you have more of we all have more of a direct connection and a personal story than we
0: realize at times. hmm. No, it's true. It's true. And, you know, even though having cannabis safe access to cannabis won't eliminate all the generational trauma that families go through it definitely can remove a lot of it for those who've been impacted by the war on drugs
1: it absolutely can and it you know and it's a process it's not anything that's going to happen overnight right but um but the step but that doesn't mean just because it's a difficult journey that we can't start taking the steps to to get there right well it's in our best interest too Absolutely, you know, and, and so so that was a lot of my that was a lot of my uh, my motivation and my uh, desire to, to be a part of working with Juana. I, I often call, you know, CSR in in cannabis it's like the big show. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is the ultimate realm. We have a chance here to, you know, be as proactive as we can, unlike a lot of other industries that are just in full blown reactivity mode all the time and and really try from the ground up to build a better system and a better way
0: Mm -hmm. for everyone. And I I was when I was looking at your bio, I noticed that uh, you were a stage manager. (laughs) <laughs> I was. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a recovering stage <laughs> manager. <miniature. laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Do you do you still have? I have to ask. Do you still have like like total PTSD when you go to like an event and you see something go wrong and like your 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 body just like your eye just starts twitching when you you're like oh no this is all this is all going to hell in a handbag.
0: <laughs> I watch everything. <laughs> if i go to an event i'm like looking at the execution of it i went to see harry potter and the cursed child last last weekend and you know it's been god it's been like 15 years since i've called the show and i was still watching everything and like looking at the scene (laughs) changes and see how they were doing
1: everything oh it is it's a blessing and a curse. You know, I tell you what, it, it makes us really good at tackling bureaucratic bullshit, it does. Um, but it, but it does make it hard to just go out and enjoy a concert <laughs> or, or a night at the theater. I got to tell you. And, and like, you know, there's it, it, like, when when you can deal with the high maintenance of, of, working in production and, and, and working in that realm, I honestly think it prepar- it's kind of like working in the service industry, right? It prepares mm-hmm. you for anything and everything and all the curveballs. and you don't have time to just stop and give up. You got to keep going. Right. So I really oh, yeah. do credit that, that background. And also I worked in nonprofit for about eight years and, and that background, you know, it, it, it's like, it gives you the epitome of like the word scrappy, yeah. like, you know? And, and so I, I am grateful for it every day. Um, and actually, it's really funny that you mentioned that because one of the the shows that I stage managed. So here in Colorado, we have a venue called Red Rocks Amphitheater. My husband's and, played it
0: many times. He he's um, he's played with he played with Further for many years.
1: Oh, amazing! Okay, so so I was I was stage managing a movie night actually up there one time, and um, the movie was Pineapple Express. Oh, and right on. it was amazing amazing. but about we were we were about to start the film and this torrential thunderstorm came in and we it was the only time and i think it might even still be to this day that the movie night the film is called film on the rock that it had to cancel and if you can imagine the chaos of getting an audience full of you know pineapple express audience (laughs) oh no amphitheater (laughs) quickly and safely it was it was quite like that to me is like the epitome of herding cats and um and and we did it and and actually right when we got everybody cleared out and they left the power actually went down so um we made the right call but but yeah so it it, it's a wild ride that that industry let me tell you
0: oh yeah it's uh it gives you a unique skill set it's very exhilarating. Yeah. It was like, you know, I, I was when I got home from the play, I, I went with my best friend. He had tickets and I was talking to Jeff when I got home and he's like, what was it like? I'm like, it was amazing. But then you see all these different changes. And I'm thinking I'd be like, and the headphones going, you know, Q1 through 78. Go, go, <laughs> go, go. go. <laughs> Oh, man. See, I
1: was always the one that was like, because, you know, we'd have a band player, we'd have, um, I used to do a lot of like coordination when we would have like a film night, and we'd have like, you know, a guest talking, and they're usually like a pretty important guest, right? right. And so ha- how do you tactfully tell a- an A-list celebrity to shut up and get oh. off the stage? Oh. You know, like, that's always fun. Um,
0: but they so. expect it from us.
1: <laughs> they do. They do. They want to be guided through, you know, but it's, there have, ti- there have been some time there have been some times, I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I yeah, I've I've been there especially when there's people who have egos and uh when I was younger I might have I might have had a little bit of a temper.
1: Oh, oh, me too. I, 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 which is why it's so weird that we're like moths to a flame to this work that like you really is not healthy for people with great tempers, right? I don't know why I, why I got engaged. But I, I feel like you know my years of childcare and nannying actually really came into you know brought me into my own with with talent wrangling and stage managing too and, and 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 on a more serious level just learning how to be respectful of different voices and opinions and ideas and and perspectives to be honest with you like working with kids was was Huge, and also they're by default working with their parents who all have different styles, right? As well, so, oh, yeah. um, so like, I, I kind of feel like we're all still children in this world and let's take us take a step back and and just know that everybody has their vulnerability everybody has that sense of wonder and and let's just lean into that a little bit and and talk to each there was a great group that just did some sexual harassment training for us here at want brands called the safe institute and they're based out of austin texas and they have this rule that's the platinum rule instead of the golden rule which is treat others as they want to be treated not you know, treat others as you would want to be treated. And I, I just think that that's was like a
0: beautiful way of putting it. You know, that's awesome. That's exactly. I, I was actually just having some reflections the other day because I'd had an interaction with somebody who wasn't upset at me, but was frustrated at things that were going on around us. And the way they reacted really surprised me because they were normally, they're very calm and warm person and I had to kind of step back and go wait a minute <laughs> we've been going through almost three years of all of this stuff with a pandemic on top of the fact that though cannabis is fun and interesting and growing it's also really challenging to be in it especially mm-hmm. as a sole proprietor and along with just all the other things that are going on in our world that are baked in and then just our day to day stresses it's like taking a step back and being having to remember you you don't think it'd be hard to, but we get so caught up in ourselves like it, just be compassionate, like people are going yeah. through things absolutely, and especially in our industry, right? You think about how
1: many of us have trauma in our origin stories mm-hmm. and And we don't, we don't really hold a lot of space because we're all so busy doing the good work that I think a lot of times we forget to acknowledge what we've all been through to get to where we are in this industry. And, and that's a lot to unpack, you know, I mean, I know, I know a bit about your story, right? And like, I know. I know that there's like difficult, I, I know stories from a lot of folks that, you know, are out there in the social equity world as well, where there, there is a lot of trauma, be it medical, be it racial bias and oppression that we're all working through on a day to day. And then also having to like put on a happy face and, and, and do business. Right. Yeah. it's, it's It's very difficult. And I actually really think that, you know, as we get there, we we start, we need to start thinking about the mental health care of the folks that are doing this sort of work day in and day out. There's a lot of uh, trauma that they're
0: having to unpack on a day to day basis. It's true. I mean, I was just um, a couple months ago, I was talking with uh, former head of the RNC, Michael Steele on the podcast, and I was, he -hmm. was surprised when I told him that in California, we've We've had a lot of suicides of farmers because mm, of just that, yeah you know there these are people who have grown cannabis for years and made a living on it, and all of a sudden it's not as viable anymore, and they're not getting the support that they need and their you know and their work and their it's wonderful, and there's so much heart in it and to see you know people just so full of fear and despair that they're making these choices we really do need to do a lot more to support people and to and to get our policymakers to understand that you know there's room for both small and large business and actually it's really important that they're both there to create Mm -hmm. the variety and to be able to learn from one another um but we have to do more to support our, our smaller farmers and small and and makers and also i mean california just this past week or well, the last week governor newsom said that he was removing the cultivation tax but then he's tacking on more to the excise tax which doesn't help anybody <laughs> <laughs> I want just take it over here and put it over there, and you know, call it a day. Switch the pot, but it's we're still getting the same in the end, you know. Oh my goodness. Well, you you, you touched on something. Sorry to, to oh, cut no, you no. off, but but you're you're
1: spot on, and, and I actually think there do, does need to be a lot more awareness around suicide. In that, um, I think it's something like our industry hits on something like four or five um, industries uh beneath it that are actually in the top 10 um suicide risk uh oc- occupations um you look at agriculture manufacturing packaging um and i'm forgetting the fourth one but that's that is alarming to me yeah um and you know it tends to be i think it's predominantly but obviously not just um usually males um 25 to 55 <laughs> so um there's there's a lot of high risk things getting flagged um, for that that are in our industry that are related to mental health and there needs to be more focus on that and I actually really love the work of Achem which is um, uh, Dr Rachel Knox and mm,
0: her yeah they're and wonderful
1: amazing and um, talk about a fangirl moment and they they have really been. Trying to elevate all of our consciousness to this idea of health equity and how social equity is a part of this bigger idea of health equity, which includes things like access to education and food and physical health, mental health. And I just think that is so important because I think that we have this tendency. We all want to fix things. We all want to do good. You know, that saying, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Yeah. And, and we're losing sight of these things. Like number one, these issues are not going to be a one-stop fix like situation. There's a lot of different areas that need to be serviced in order to truly get us all to a place where we're, where we're all not only, in, in an equitable environment but just just health right and and so i think we need to look back at this holistically and ensure that you know while we're all working on capital right access to capital for folks are we thinking about access to food and education and mental health <laughs> uh, along the way too. And to your point about policy and, and like that's a part of capital too, when you get into taxation, right? Like right. that has a huge impact. And and so there is so much more than just writing a check that needs to be happening right now. And, um, and I, so I, I just, I really applaud them for the work that they're doing in that realm and, and hope that more people um. Go 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 down the rabbit hole and, and research the work they're doing because it, it's just fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I, the Knox family is, has just done so much amazing work, and I'd add like on top of health equity and social equity, looking at giving people. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about generational trauma, but there's also just what we learn generationally how to how to show up and and how we create our reality and part of that too is like you can be you can get the you can get the cash you know and it's not easy mm-hmm. but you can and <laughs> mm-hmm. you can get everything set up but then when we're looking at sustainability and like you I came from a a nonprofit background and the last nonprofit I worked with we talked about generational wealth and changing mm-hmm. people's relationships with money so that they can actually have assets to pass down from generation to generation. Because as we've seen, you know, families that have generational wealth, they've been doing asset building, future generations succeed more because they have a soft place to fall. They have something to back them up with. And, you know, a lot of people who who are grown up, especially like in black and brown communities, and especially first generation communities, sometimes have been living in a, a time of how would you say it, where, you know, money is tight and so you spend it when you have it. And to be able to have the tools to look at it in a new way and be able to be a little bit more creative with how you create assets to pass down from generation to generation and create that security and just more uh, a financial awareness, financial education, because I think we yeah. all need it. But, you know, if you... If you grew up in a family where you were living paycheck to paycheck, you learned how to survive that way. And there are, there are just so many more tools for us in our toolkits that we need access to to succeed.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, there, there's so much I want to say on that. Financial literacy is, is just so important. And I am very frustrated with this false hope narrative that we're selling. BIPOC communities where it's like, you know, get your license and then it's all, then it's all good. Then you're going to be a gazillionaire. Like, that's not how this works, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, you know, it may not be the most razzle dazzle snazzy thing to support, but we're really going to turning a focus towards education (laughs) because that financial literacy and just business acumen is, is paramount to success right, yeah, and and you know, I come from a background where I was the lucky one. I grew up in a red line neighborhood, I had you know divorced parents. I'm the only one in my family well, I was my mom and my my aunt did end up getting college degrees right about the same time I did. Oh, that's and, cool. Did you have a party together? Well, we didn't have a party together, but it was, my mom beat me by, she beat me by a semester. <laughs> mm. So, it was, it was really cool, though, to just be like, it's, it's all happening. But, you know, there's just so often, like, there's this idea that, like, you got to be the entrepreneur to be the success. You gotta be the star athlete to be the success. You gotta be the movie star to be the success. When there are so many other places in all of these industries that need people, want people, and that people can be a part of the industry and create that generational wealth without winning the golden ticket. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and like, we, we need to stop. We need to, we, like, yeah, if you wanna be an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur, but not everybody has, has that desire. And we need to stop selling that as the only pathway to success and to generational wealth in our industry, because that is not the case, you know, and like we, we, we just need to, we need to offer more opportunity and education around this. And, um, and yeah, it's, whew, don't get me started, you know, it's, it's just, I, I see, I see in my own family, you know, the other thing that we're, we're fighting is a stigma within black and brown communities about the plant itself. And, and we've, you know, we've seen so much harm done to our families because of, of the war on drugs that, you know, it's almost like, you know, keep that away from me because I don't want to get in trouble. Like I know what happened to other people in our family with that. Right. Right. And so there's a lot of stigmas and a lot of self-hatred that we're working through as well. Um, and so, yeah, I often like to tell people too, it's like, okay, for a minute, put a little sticky note over the word cannabis. How would you tell anybody else in any other industry that they're going to succeed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. going to need education. You're going to need a network and yeah, you're going to need capital too. But like, these are the steps and these are some really tangible areas that we can have impact
0: that is sustainable to your point of, of the word sustainable like that's the end goal here right mm-hmm. the only thing is that you got to throw a compliance officer in there too
1: oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then by the way you're going to learn it all for one state and then you're going to go to the next market and good luck just <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> right it's kind of funny. And that is actually something I would want to say to anybody because I know you mentioned that you do have a lot of folks that are in the industry that listen, but you have a lot of folks that are not in the industry that are listening to your show. Right. And I do want to throw out there, like, I'm new. I'm newish to the industry, although I guess they say that it's like dog years for cannabis. So technically, it's been over a year for me. So I guess that's like seven years at this point. <laughs> um, Truth. But Nancy always says that. I got to give credit to that. Um, but, you know, it, it's overwhelming and it, it's like because they intended it to be overwhelming and scary. (laughs) Like, that's the point of of all of this policy and just, like, over, you know, like, it's it's an overcorrect, right? And, like, and and so, yeah, you might be intimidated by it, but everybody is learning. Nearly everyone is new. This industry is so new, uh, you know, like, don't be intimidated by that. Just go into it. Open to learning, open to knowledge, open to you know asking questions, and please listen you know don't talk at people um, because everyone has so much to offer and to share in this industry and and more than any other industry i've been into they're they're actually willing to share, so I wanted to do a quick plug about that because if anyone's thinking about joining you know step step right in the water's fine
0: yeah, yeah, that's it, and there are. A lot of amazing people that are that are more than happy to share knowledge and be supportive because we've we've all been there. Like stepping into this work, whether you did it in the time of legalization or before, is always right. It's challenging. Like I, I remember when ten years ago, when I got well, it's over ten years now. When I got into the industry. We were, well, first off, I was like, uh, for me, I was looking at it as a temporary thing after cancer when I decided to go back to school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, well, you know, at that time, I was like, I'm just going to do it and not really talk about it because I'm just really (laughs) curious and interested. And that was when you really, you didn't say you worked for a cannabis company a lot of times because people would look at you very strange. Now, in the past, I've actually had to leave parties because somebody is like just, wanting to like have my ear for the whole evening and I'm like I'm not at work (laughs) (laughs) but back then we worried about you know raids from the DOJ and now you know because of of the way you know banking is still all fakakta It's like Mm -hmm. we have we have some really dangerous situations for for companies that are working in cash and for, you know, the people who are visiting dispensaries and people know that, you know, they have cash on them. And that's that's just like I just think about now where if you work in a dispensary, at least in, in the Bay Area we've had, I'm sure other places have too. We've had a lot of issues with crime in the pandemic and places Mm -hmm. either getting robbed after hours or sometimes being held up with somebody in there. And we didn't that wasn't really an issue in the days when we were, you know, worried about the feds. And I was just telling someone the other day, I'm like, it's really scary because, you know, I thought that anticipating a a DOJ raid was scary, but I can't even Mm -hmm. imagine like at at least like, you know, that you're going to get through it. Whereas, you know, with the stuff that's going on now, it's, you know, anything can happen and people have been hurt or died. And, and really, like the federal government needs to understand that they're holding our safety in their hands. And they're, if they're collecting taxes from us, they should be protecting us by offering us what they offer every other business
1: absolutely agree you know and and of course it's the people on the front lines that are that are the most at risk right right um and and being asked to sacrifice their lives for somebody else's business <laughs> um or, or just their their well-being right and it's uh, you know i i that's like a whole other episode Sarah. yeah it is really like, i know like, i mean it's it is mind boggling to me, you know, this is, you know, I actually think it's it's interesting when I work, I work with a lot of nonprofits that get concerned about the implications of working with the cannabis company. And I often remind them, you know, they're not worried about you. (laughs) They're worried about us, (laughs) you know, and, and them being the government. Right. Um, And, and it's like, you know, if they're going to come after anybody, they're going to come after the cannabis company. Um, And, you know, and, and so like, it's, it's just, oh it it really is a shame kind of getting back to like you know we're paying taxes we want to be good global citizens and and there's still this stigma that we're having to fight through because of of it being federally illegal and and it's just a shame that we can't help our own community we can't we're often you know uh a little bit um what's the word i'm looking for it's a little bit you know stunted in our ability for some folks to be able to give in the community as well in the ways that they want to give um all because of you know bureaucratic bullshit to be honest yeah at the end of the day
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that is so true i i remember you know reaching out to nonprofits to support them and having them you know you know that they they need the support but they're reluctant to take the donations or the help and, and how, because you, let's talk about your programs because you help a lot of people and and how do you, how do you break through to let them know that, you know, it's nothing but, you know, good thoughts and help and it's not going to get them in trouble. And, and how do you get them to accept help and how, how is everything working for you? Because you have a really rich program.
1: You know, we're lucky to be in Colorado, and thank you for that. We're lucky to be here in Colorado where we've been around for a while, right? And so there have been some opportunities for folks to test the waters and see that the world didn't burn down um, working with cannabis companies. And quite honestly, even in the last year, so much has shifted and so much openness has happened with folks being willing to to accept um, a partnership with us. Um, and, you know, that, that has really helped is honestly just – I mean, I know it's not like an exact <laughs> answer, but it's sort of the like, just try and see what happens. And what, what a shock! Nothing, you know, no scary scary monster came out and destroyed everyone. You know what I mean? And you know, um, it's also working with just like-minded nonprofits that are that are open to um, to exploring you know, partnership with cannabis uh, companies. But but yeah, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of conversation um, and and a lot of uh, honesty and vulnerability to, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like a, a good example to share. Um, my, my mind is just like spacing right now, but you know, like, and then you can kind of get creative with your giving, you know. I think about groups like um, that work with, with uh, nonprofit entities or foundations, right, to set up giving programs that way, too, that kind of create a barrier as well. And supporting that way, there's Cannabis Impact Fund, which is run by the Kelly Perez and Courtney Mathis, the uh, Cannabis Doing Good folks um and Melanie Rogers uh, who also used to work with Colorado expungement or expunge Colorado. Um, But like they, they're a great resource too, where, you know, they work with nonprofits directly through their fund um, to help support causes. So there's a lot of different pathways you can take. I think that, you know, I have to acknowledge that want to come from a place of privilege and that we've been around a long time and our, our reputation is there to help um, get these partnerships going. Um, But that doesn't mean that there's, you know, still folks that, are not open to it. Um, I have been kindly shown the door a few times. <laughs> um, but more and more, the conversation is, they're open to having that dialogue. And, and more often than not, it, it, it does end with a partnership.
0: What are, what are some things for people who want to put together <laughs> a corporate responsibility program? For their companies Mm -hmm. like what are some things that people should really keep in mind when they're assembling that
1: the main thing i would stress well two things is don't forget about your internal team like we all get very focused on thinking about the world at large and how we're going to change the world at large right And then we, there's this tendency to neglect the needs of your internal community at your company. (laughs) And so that, that's one, one piece I wanted to throw out there. Um, The other thing is that you're going to need to take, you got to start from a place of honesty. So I highly encourage folks to do a bit of a, of a self check-in and see where you're at and see, because you can't, you can't know where you're growing to until you know where you're starting from. Right. And so, and so taking some time to, Again, it's not always like the snazziest thing to focus on, but you gotta look at the data, you gotta look at what what your track record is, you gotta take the skeletons out of the closet and and just be honest about where there's room for opportunity to grow and be better. And then and also probably the biggest thing is is are you listening to what your community actually needs or are you assuming to know what the community needs? Um, because I see that a lot. Where That's people a really good just, point. Yeah, you know, people will will say, Oh, well, we we I read an article in the New York Times. And now I know everything about this. And (laughs) like, (laughs) okay, good for you. I'm glad I read that too. That's great. But did you talk to the local nonprofit about this? Yeah, (laughs) what they really need? Um, You know, we just did a great program for um, forward for 420 called Forward 20 that was focused on weeding out hunger. I was just gonna ask you about that. How did that go? It went really well, so we we made a really a really strong effort, and and we we did not just an effort, we did support local. We wanted to keep it hyper local, even though it was a national campaign, and so we supported 14 unique nonprofits around the country, uh, with with a fiscal grant of $10,000 um, for each nonprofit, and we really made an effort to to keep these two groups that were that were pretty grassroots where that money could go far. But the other thing, and I think this is a great example of listening to the community versus assuming what they need. How many times there have you been like it's Thanksgiving time and you see like a food donation bin out there in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I, I got to tell you so many of these nonprofits were, you know, we were, we were offering it. We're like, we'll have a donation bin and dispensaries and we'll get you all the canned food. And they were, they actually said, please don't. <laughs> um, we, ha- we have food wholesalers we work with who can help us with that. And honestly, if you can help raise money for us, that's going to provide and go a lot further than someone's leftover soy sauce that's been sitting in their fridge for, you know, eight years unopened.
0: Or an old can of
1: corn. <laughs> <A> can <laughs> of corn. I, I don't even know how many cans of, like, pumpkin are sitting at food pantry um, oh, <laughs> around no. the country. But 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 it's true. It was a a humbling moment to say, oh, okay, you know what? You're right. Like we it would have looked great for us. Right. That's the photo op for people is here's our here's our our food donation bin. Right. But in the reality was that wasn't what the need was. And so we pivoted and we did virtual virtual. virtual donation drives for them, which is, you know, cash donations in conjunction with our $10,000 grants. And we we were able to support some amazing nonprofits like a group called Health in the Hood down in Miami, Oasis Projects in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Supermarket out in LA, which is working on putting together a a storefront supermarket in a food desert neighborhood. Um, You know, all sorts of amazing nonprofits around the country and um just the impact was huge and we often forget too you know in the time of 420 that you know kids are about to be out of school for the summer those free lunch programs are ending this is actually a time when food banks need a lot of support um and 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 that was just kind of serendipitous that that happened and and you know we 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 helped fill a need that was there um and and it, it was really special to do that that's awesome
0: what are you working on well actually before i say that that was a really good point that you made about this time of year and kids. Cause I don't think people think about that as much, you know, they just think, think about year round, but it, that's so impactful.
1: It, it really is. And you know, I was a kid that was on free lunch program, right. And, and summer's kind of rough and your fridge isn't full. And, and, um, so yeah, a little plug for that, support some food banks this summer. Um, because this is a time when a lot of families need it. Schools are such a resource um, for kids to, to get nutrition. Um, so, yeah, do what you can. Yeah. I'm all about plugging nonprofits where I can, Sarah.
0: <laughs> oh, I, you know, me too. I totally hear that. It's, it's so important that we do and that we support them. Because I think a lot of times people don't understand um, how, you know, how hard it is for nonprofits, especially in times when priority shift as far as like you don't ever think about oh what's what's the hot non-profit that people are supporting this year but i remember working in civil rights where it was like there were some years especially like when president obama got elected and all of a sudden our funding started to dry up and they're like oh well you know we have a black president civil rights are no longer an issue and i was like oh, oh my goodness. talk talk to the team about that
1: yeah yeah i mean that was that was actually similar i heard some similar stuff from some of our partners in the lgbtqia sector um you know in recent times where they're like we are really we are really happy and amped that people are focusing on racial justice and that should not stop but please don't forget about us too (laughs) and and i don't think it's a coincidence that then in the last few few months we've seen this like horrible you know just just hatred just being just spewn out at the at the LGBT, LGBTQ community right now right and it's like they you get distracted from from focusing on a cause and all of a sudden you know the 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 assholes swoop in and see an opportunity to to undo things. So,
0: you know, forgive my language, but but it's it's just it's it, it's the truth. We got to stay vigilant with this stuff. Oh yeah. Oh no. We're on Radio Misfits Network. You can see it. Okay, great. You want. okay, <laughs> okay great. you know, you know, what I love. It's so funny.
1: Is like I because because I nannied and, and baby for so long. I always was really good at like having like a very clean mouth around the kid. But then I would I would just like let it fly when I get off work. And I actually think of Julie Andrews a lot because she's infamous for that where she has this like super clean image but apparently she's got like the mouth of a sailor which I just love I love knowing that
0: Uh, that is that is fun I would love to hear right right just going for it oh my god oh Oh, that's hilarious (laughs) um what are you what are what are you working on now and what are you excited about in the future
1: so one thing that we're I'll kind of teased now, um, although it's not a tease, it's really important, and we should all be talking about this, um, is, you know, getting back to equity, right? And getting back to, like, how do we actually make a difference in the world beyond just that, that check that we're writing to places? And a big part of that comes from empowering the individual, um, thereby empowering the community at large. And one of the biggest ways we can do that is through voting. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, you know, for us, it's like, look, we can do the policy. I'm on policy committee, you know, I'm, I'm doing that work where I can for the company. But at the end of the day, we need, we need fair access to voting uh, education, voting registration. And if we as a company can support that, we're going to make that happen. And so we're really excited to be working with groups like the League of Women Voters and with the Cannabis Voter Project, uh, not only this summer, but just, you know, on a year round basis to to increase voter education and registration and just awareness of what's on your ballot. Um, And so that's a big thing that I'm very excited about. Um, And I, I also I'm really excited that it is the League of Women Voters, because I think that that, you know, it's a group that that like a lot of people are comfortable with. And mm-hmm. I think that it speaks volumes when you take a group that's a nonpartisan group and you pair that with cannabis and there's there's just a level of openness that comes through with that and acceptance on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an acknowledgement that we're all working together here toward towards the same cause, which is a more just and equitable world. And and so why not come together and bring voter registration to places where people, you know, feel most comfortable. It be that their local dispensary or a library, or, you know, and so it's 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 I'm really excited to be a part of that and be and be working with them
0: on that. That's awesome. and i I think it's really important to have the conversation around, you know, I, w- I was just thinking about this the other day, you know, with women's rights um and, mm. you know, being politically active and voting and having our voices being heard. I mean, when I was born, women couldn't have. A credit card on their own. We haven't been allowed to vote for a, like it's been a very short time since we were allowed the right to vote, and we have to really, really be aware of that and exercise it to the best of our abilities.
1: Oh, we really do, and and you know they're coming for they're coming for not just our reproductive rights, but they're coming for our voter rights too, mm-hmm. and and we we have to be vigilant, and and there is so much more power. In your vote than people realize, but I think we all did get a bit of a wake up call during the last election, right? Um, For sure. So, so you can see the power of your voice play out. But that, but you know, you mentioned how people, when Obama got elected, they were like, "Okay, cool, we're done, we're good now, right?" And 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 <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not done. We're not close to done. We're just um, getting started. We are just getting started, and you know. Policy is intimidating. Voting is intimidating, but it doesn't have to be if we, if we lean on each other for the resources and the education to equip and empower ourselves through those decisions and through the process. Right. Right. And, and everyone, you know, like if you have, if you have the ability to vote, use it, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. If you if you're somebody who makes donations or does things for charity or for your community and you're not voting, I mean, come on, like what, what's going on? Like that is the number one thing you can do to make your community a better place is share your voice with, with our legislators. Right. Right. So, Oh yeah. So I, so I'm really hoping to, you know, that we can appeal to, some younger voters too that maybe were missing or that are just kind of disenchanted by the process as well um so that is going to be a really big focus on us for for us moving forward yeah and i think the other thing that we're really excited about is, is starting to expand our impact in in education and supporting education where we can in cannabis education um and and just helping to empower folks with knowledge because as cheesy as it is, you remember those posters from when we were kids, Mm -hmm. like knowledge is, knowledge is power. It's true. And, and so, yes, we're supporting, you know, entrepreneur programs and, you know, yes, we're supporting, you know, a lot of things, but we also need to be supporting education. That is so important.
0: Well, you know, as an educator, I totally back that. (laughs) 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 <laughs> we and more
1: love more love for education yeah like, like that that's where i am that's why i'm where i am and where other parts of you know members of my family are not where i am it it completely comes down to, you know a big part of it is education some of its luck some of its circumstance but i i can tell you that you know my life changed when i happened to get you know opted into a a better school district as a kid when they were, when they were doing all the buffing and, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, that, that changed my life. And, and I know that I would be on a much different trajectory without access to education. And, you know, obviously we're looking more at higher education platforms, but that those opportunities and that, 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 you know, possibility of changing the trajectory of life through higher education is huge. And, and we really want to be a part of supporting, um, that system and helping people to achieve their goals
0: through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when you have access to education, you get to see the world through different lenses, which creates critical thought, which is something that is so very needed. It always has oh. been, but even now more than ever, I believe. More, now more than
1: ever. And, you know, we, we just need, yeah, <laughs> you said it perfectly. I can't say it better than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to follow you on social media, you, the company, and seeing what you're doing, what's the best way for our listeners to do that?
1: Yeah, you know, and we are going to have some exciting news I can't talk about quite yet, but some cool stuff, especially in the realm of CSR coming out here in um in the summer. So please do do follow us. So you can find us on um, Instagram, Twitter, just wanna wannabrands, um, you know, at symbol wannabrands. I'm a mom now, so I can be geeky about how I'm saying this. The handle, the handle, if you will. Um, and um, also find us on LinkedIn. We share a lot of great news on LinkedIn. And I'm honestly not that, like, social media savvy. What? So- I know, I know you can but you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn and, and I'll be, I'll be the cool mom that <laughs> you. I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it when my kids are a little bit older.
0: Oh uh, you know I, I gotta say it, it's it's not, it's not fun time all the time. it, it can you know social media as, as studies have shown, it can cause anxiety and stress so good yeah. on you for being able to do without. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why. Honestly, I had to back away. Is, you know, I think it was after my. Uh, it was my first kid. I was just like, going down that total like, oh, everybody else is so happy, and I'm just sitting here on my couch with a with a nine week old like withering away and I was like I gotta stop this is not reality this is a not this is a terrible idea and so I just I shut everything down (laughs) at that point in time you know uh went into ghost mode if you will but but I am on LinkedIn and you can you can find me there um though I do need to to get better habits of of posting and what have you honestly a lot of why I haven't been posting too much is that I, I still feel like I'm in listening mode with a lot of the folks that are out there and 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 uh, just, just trying to absorb what what people are saying, and it's just fascinating.
0: Well, it is, and and I got I have to give you props for that too, because there are, you know, there are people who who have been in the industry for just a minute, and sometimes, you know, and and I believe that everybody has a voice and should be heard, and mm-hmm. sometimes I'm kind of like, hmm. Do, are you yeah, listening coming in, are, are coming you in a little hot there yeah exactly <laughs> you trying to reinvent
1: the wheel son <laughs> yeah and, and like a lot of my work look like and and this is this is just a fault of mine which, and what and and honestly of a lot of women right and a lot of women of color like i'm not good at selling myself and where where my where my heart is and where my head is is in the work and so you know talk to me, <laughs> have a conversation with me. If you, if you want to share an idea with me and I'm, and I'm ha- more than happy to do that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't want to be like that, that person that comes in and, and act like I know everything because quite honestly, this is a long journey for us and it's a long journey for everyone. And, and we are very much in, the discovery phase and there yeah, there are short term things you can do to to make a huge difference. But like our long term trajectory and of where we're going, trajectory is is, is like a work in progress, but but is, is getting there. Thanks thanks to some of the amazing community partners that we've been working with, like Cannabis Doing Good or New Project or Our Academy out there in California and um, you know, and and like you know the, the amazing work like to hear Johnson doing with the USCC and so you know thanks thanks to those folks you know um, and those organizations for for helping us to like map out where we need to go and how how we can best support our communities both
0: internally and externally. Well, you know. I- Carla, I gotta say you do actually have like a lot to talk about (laughs) because you, you're, I mean, what you and Juana are doing for the programs is just, it's a, it's wonderful and it's great inspiration for other people. I mean, we, when we were in medical cannabis times, there was a lot more community engagement and giving. And I feel like in this time of, and I'm going to, throw my org psych hat on right now in our time of storming norming and reforming of this industry we we have to remember our roots and 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 remember that you know because this is a new industry we can actually look at doing business in a whole new way which is really like looking at real ways that we can uh, humbly support our communities that resonate for them that truly help so thank you for bringing that conversation to the table
1: Absolutely. And thank you for being open to having it. Right. And, and truly, Sarah, my end goal here is if there, you know, is it, to pay it forward. And if there are other, you know, companies that want to chat about collaboration or ideas about how to get this stuff off the ground, we're an open book. The, the point isn't to hoard this knowledge and, and <laughs> keep the good just limited to some of the stuff we're doing. Let's all work together. Yeah. let's pull our powers together I often quote and half the time people know what I'm talking about and half the time they don't and they think i I sound like a crazy person, but I often quote like it's like Captain Planet with our powers combined right like let's <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it you know i'm a, I'm a true like eighties eighties nineties kid, so the cultural you know the pop culture references are abound but it's but it's the truth like we can do so much more if we're working together and we're all clear on the direction we're going in and, and not just working in a vacuum. And so if I had like one wish is like, and and to, like you said, like the industry has that desire already, but let's foster it and let's keep it going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for being a fighter for that and really keeping that on the forefront because, you know, in the midst of all the struggles people are going through you know, we need to keep our heart. And even if, you know, companies can't monetarily give, there are other ways that they can support their communities and also create plans for the future when they're able to do more as they grow and become more sustainable. And I think it's just oh super important.
1: Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. If, I, if I'm not taking up too much time, no, I, no, I just no. was going to mention, you know, we actually donated a bunch of laptops to some restorative justice nonprofit because they, they needed laptops. Right. Or um, we had some extra PPE um, just sitting in our, our warehouse, like a lot of it that we were able to donate to um, a great nonprofit called Project Cure that actually gave um, medical supplies to folks most recently. They, they support folks all over the world, but most recently in Ukraine. And um and it also gave a partial donation to this great nonprofit called Project Vets that supports uh, veterinary clinics around the world as well. And, and so it's not just fiscal donations, right? It's, it's the stuff you have sitting in the back room that you think nobody needs. Someone needs it. And just get it to a place where someone could use it. Um, so there are so many avenues. You can volunteer your time. We just did uh, Habitat for Humanity of Metro Denver Build day with our team, like there's a lot of things you can do that make a profound impact and change people 's lives uh
0: just just something that feels so small to you it can feel so huge to someone else yeah it's important to know that i mean that's I, I think that sometimes that's a hard one to to keep in the forefront of our minds because we do get so mired in our own lens, but you 're right, something that seems very little to us or oh, nobody would want this easy it's not necessarily true
1: it's not true and and it you know don't you know don't discount the gifts that you have to give just give what you can whether that's time or treasure or talent you know like you have you have other avenues beyond just the fiscal to support the community around you i mean the big one too in our industry is if you have a big network you know pass the mic yeah like let let somebody use your platform and 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 share some knowledge and and some awareness, so there's a lot of different avenues by which you can go and I do just want to stress one more time. Don't forget about lifting up those people on your own team too and and you can give back by by creating a, an amazing work environment for your team. you mentioned the the you know the employees that are at risk with you know robberies and and because of the lack of safe banking you know. Get a security team, (laughs) like help, help your like, you know, it's not rocket science, keep your team safe, make, make it a happy place that they're coming to work to where they don't need to feel like they're risking their
0: lives, or diminishing their lives to be a part of your, your business. Right. And, and also just from like a professional development standpoint, give them a place to grow to. Absolutely. And, and listen to
1: what they want to grow into as mm-hmm. well. I mean, it, it's so simple. I mean, just having them involved and engaged in, in training and in conversation and in check-ins is just acknowledging that they're a human and that they're there and that they're, an, uh, you know, integral part of your team. That's half the battle right there. Um, you know, <laughs> like, so, so yeah, I just, I, I got to plug that, you know, you, you can't, you can do all you want for your, your, you know, community at large, but if you're not taking care of your team at, you know, at home, you're missing
0: the point. Yeah. It's kind of like filling the well. It absolutely, absolutely. It, you know, Carly, it's, it's just been a pleasure talking with you today. I can't believe we haven't, we haven't met sooner. And I'm really, really excited about continuing the conversation.
1: Likewise, you know, pandemic problem, Sarah, but we'll
0: get there. We'll we'll meet in person. (laughs) We will. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. And for those of you listening out there, remember Planted is twice a month. If you'd like to follow us on social media, on Facebook, we are Planted with Sarah Pion. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Planted with Sarah. Our website is www.plantedwithsarah.com. And if you'd like to follow me on my IG with cannabis education, pictures of my cat and things that I am cooking, I am Sarah (laughs) (laughs) Pion. For all of you out there, it's a crazy world. We're still not out of this pandemic. Stay safe. Be kind to one another. And also stay curious. Until next time, take care, everyone.